Welcome to Unfuck Your Head. I am your host, Kat Jordan. It's time to take action, get out of bed, smell the new day, and unfuck your head. is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in internal family systems and intimacy from the inside out couples therapy. Ingrid also incorporates the neuroscientific polyvagal theory into her work with astounding results. On this episode of Unfuck Your Head, we're going to explore real, evidence-based, valuable insights and methods to navigate the considerable breadth of human suffering we're currently enduring with the COVID-19 pandemic. What we discuss touches on our deepest, most human superpower. Listen. What we are covering is more important now than ever before. So I'm super excited to introduce you to my listeners because um, Ingrid is and will always be a significant person in my life, both personally and professionally, as you were my supervisor during grad school, during my internship. And when I use the term supervisor, it like doesn't quite fit what it felt mm-hmm. like to work with you. And it's, it's definitely much more of like a mentor, somebody that I've always looked up to. You know, when you provide feedback to me, when you share your insights, there's just this natural alignment in like our thought process and and it it was beautiful and it was healing and it, it really helped me hone in on like my strengths and my abilities as a therapist. And so I have to give you um, a tremendous amount of gratitude and appreciation because if, had you not been that part in my life, I don't know if I'd be here at this point. So... Oh, more than my pleasure. More than my pleasure. My my delight, my honor to know you. And I I feel the same way about you. I mean, there's people that come through your lives, people that are going to make a difference and people that you feel so connected to. And uh, I think the word that comes to me when I think about working with you is um, was always that awareness of your incredible... I don't even know what the word is. I want to say like wisdom, you know, like this knowing that you always had and the way that you were always working to link your head and your heart. Um, that was just so evident, you know? And and so I, I, I've, of course, through the years, I've drawn on everything that, you know, people I got to work with were doing and being and, and you are no exception. And I'm delighted to see you branching out to more and more people in this way. You've got a, a tremendous gift, Kat, and, and I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm beaming from ear to ear because here it's been a decade. I have to say it because there's a lot of pride <laughs> in that. Even though we don't necessarily want to acknowledge it's been a decade, it has been. Okay. And um, and here we are again collaborating. I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you today about how we can collectively as a human race work better together to get through to the other side of this as we're all in the midst of a crisis as I shared with you it kind of struck me yesterday (laughs) not even like earlier in the week it struck me yesterday that I I wanted I wanted you and I to be able to talk about what's going on right now and and how we can impart some useful tangible very human very real I don't know like like ideas techniques insights to really be able to navigate this because as, as I'm sure you're aware of too there's a, a litany of information being thrown out there um, on social media and yeah. some of it can be simple some of it can be complicated some of it's relatable some of it's not 
some of it's accurate and a lot of it is not. And I think for us to work together and being able to provide some really um, research-based, factual, useful information to our listeners um, is more than important now than ever. Yeah, Yeah, I I hear you. And I I think that because everybody is online now and there are so many people that are wanting to be of service and which is a real attribute of the human race here and of of so many service industries and and people that really care. Uh, You know, I hope that people are seeing it as a take it as you need it kind of a thing. I, I talked to someone today and they were feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got all of these things I have to do. And it's like, no, they're offerings. You know, yes. these things are offerings. They're offerings. not necessities that you follow through on each and every one and or that you're going to let people down. So, you know, just from a sort of a social shift, you know, the, the offerings have multiplied by, a, you know, huge percentage. And so being aware that you need to take in at any given time what you need. Yeah, and I think that that is um, a really valuable point is because when you do see so much information out there it does become overwhelming you know there were a few little memes that I would see and like do these 10 things this week and for some of us uh, in particular for myself I have not been able to slow down as much as I would like Mm -hmm. and I do need to do those 10 things but I don't have the time to do them and so I have to pick and choose which of those things are going to be the most effective for me. You know, helping people understand a way to find out what works for them and what doesn't work for them, I think is really, really important too. Yes, yes, that it's not, there's not a perfect prescription out there and that's okay, that's okay. And you can play with it, you know, I mean, what's the worst thing that happens if you, you know, do one little practice over another, you know, you can play with things. And um, I guess, you know, my hope here would just be to offer people a little, you know, a little guidance around um, some of the, some of the basics that I think are um, essential so that they're working from a decent foundation so that then they can pick and choose and kind of know where that's coming from and what they need at any given moment. And it might not be the same for them as it would be for someone else, even someone else living in their home, you know, yeah. it could be a different thing. Absolutely. So some people are going to want to turn on music and play it loud and somebody else is going to need to take a nap. Right. Um, and that's normal. I've been talking to moms, you know, these wonderful, you know, suburban Connecticut mothers who I adore, but who are like struggling so much because they want to do it perfectly and they want their kids to be perfectly educated during this time. So they're, they're just like, okay, you know, and of course the children need structure and they need, you know, rhythm and they need so on. But the pressure that these moms are feeling to be doing everything so well and then forgetting that they're in the mix and they're going through something and tremendous upheaval and not just moms, dads too, but the ones I've been talking to lately have been more moms. So yeah, all to say you have to kind of grab onto something and then, you know, shift, shift it around. Kind of like, you know, if you go, if you've ever done yoga and you get in a pose and it's not exactly right for you, you might have to wiggle it out a little or, or modify it and that is how everything has got to be right now yeah you know you have to allow that yeah yeah and I like the the way that you you pulled it back to um yoga and like modification because I think a lot of people especially um our society has grabbed a hold of fitness as a like very important part of our wellness and and that is often used you know if if this is too intense for you then make a modification and it can still apply um and here we are kind of shifting but using similar terminology to how we how we need to treat our our mental and emotional state too not just our physical state so can you share a little bit about the work that you do in general with your clients and how that has translated to what we're going to talk about today i use um predominantly besides sort of my own 
secret sauce, whatever that is, you know, <laughs> a lot of personality stuff gets yeah. mixed in there. What I, I love to draw from internal family systems therapy, which is um, working with the internal system um, of personality parts in the same way that one would work with an external family system of made of family members. And the benefit of that is, A, I believe it is such a core truth for how we function. It is um, entirely welcoming of all parts of us. We're seeing a lot of, um, even from very, very, very wise people, things about, um, you know, this, 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 this trait is the is the source of all evil and wrong. And the truth mm-hmm. is, uh, internal family systems is about all parts of you are tr- are doing the best they can, just as all parts of a family, even if one is highly dysfunctional, um, are doing the best that they know based on what they believe their job and their role is. And so, working with that, I love. I love using internal family systems. I also use um, intimacy from the inside out, which is um, developed by a woman named Tony Herbine Blank, and it is IFS for um, couples and for you know more than one person. I also have studied polyvagal therapy, um, polyvagal therapy, but theory and its approach to therapy through. Um, Deb Dana, who is an amazing, amazing woman. She does the rhythm of regulation. That really brought all of my work yeah. home for right. me. I could see that. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, such a difference. I've, I've done um, internal family systems much longer, um, really for a couple decades now. But when I hit on how to be with your body around these very natural processes that are happen, happening, again, in a very blameless way. And to know that not only could you be with your body and your nervous system in that way, but that you could help it. Mm. Um, And that you could understand it. Well, for example, when I was young, I was raised by a family of worriers. I work with worry. I've written the book on worry. I love worry. It's my baby. I see everything through the lens of worry. I just do. And uh, I was raised by a, a long line of wonderful warriors. And um, so, so this anxiousness, this sense of being anxious and worried about things always felt like both who I was and the bad thing about who I was maybe. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good. No. It feels terrible to be right. stressed and, and ruminating and perfectionistic and uh, self-critical all the time. And what I learned about that is that that little, little routine that as a teenager, I had started developing around, how can I stop feeling so stressed out? Um, well, I can do that. And here, this reverts back to internal flame systems. I can do that one way by not, not caring or mm-hmm. not doing, right. drawing, right? Yeah, so the opposite of being intense and worried, just moving out of it. Mm-hmm. And some of your listeners might be doing some of that now, Absolutely. right? Just bye-bye. Well, that works for a short while and it can be really a resource. And yet, neurologically, if you drop out of what is that, that anxious state, that sympathetic nervous system firing, and I know you know this, um, then, you know, if you can't, bail up um, into a sense of connection and safety, you're going to bail out down into your dorsal vagal system, which is that, you know, um, very inert, relaxed. um, It's a different kind of calm. Right. But under stress, it doesn't feel, it feels good for a moment. But if you stay there, it's very depressing, right? right? There's no motivation. There's no hope. You know, people can do this at home. If they find a little bit of that and they write down, what do I hear? What do I feel? And what do I see when I'm in this place? And what do I believe about the world and myself? Not a good place. Yeah, it's exactly, it's depressed. Yeah. So, you know, I, I never could figure out why I would bounce from a little bit anxious or even a little motivated and then get worried about being overly motivated and feel almost, you know, bipolar about this. Um, And then dropping into that depression and then up and down and up and down. You know, to to know that in my body and to know, A, not dumb, not broken, not wrong, not bad, brilliant. Yes. Right? 
that our human yeah, that our human those... response is already oh. intrinsically doing what it needs to do and is it is incredibly intelligent if we were to let it do what it needs to do if we were able to hone that yeah. right right and to be with it while it's doing that in a blameless way right well, the problem is when we when thought gets involved and parts of us tell stories about what we're engaged in right? yeah. based on the um, the feeling versus the other way around right in other words instead of feeling the the feeling the sensation and getting curious about it and going what's this you know did i pick up a cue of danger is that why i'm anxious right now okay is there a danger that is immediately present okay maybe maybe not you know maybe it maybe someone walked in my house and i don't know where they've been and they're bringing in germs or something you know will i feel calm if i say you go wash up go change your clothes i'm gonna do the same you know or is it is it an active is it an act of imagination which is also not a bad part of us right okay. that's coming in and saying i'm nervous therefore let me find out all the cues that i could possibly think of and stories that would explain the sensation in my body right out trying to help the original sensation that just to me is such an amazing little shift and when people catch it and they realize that these these um, parts of them that are telling them these brilliant stories <laughs> probably just need them to they need each of us to turn and look at what's the story and what part of me is saying that right yeah. and is it possible there's another story inside here right right Oh, and is it possible that that part of me that's holding that terrifying story needs my care? Yeah. And to engage in right. that part as if it were someone externally who you would care yeah. for and love and then treat that internal part of yourself in that same way. So I just want to jump in here for a moment because one of the phrases that you use to describe internal family systems is having parts of ourselves that are kind of like sub-personalities, right? And yeah. if someone were to hear that, my concern would be that they would then draw maybe to some pop culture that they've heard about multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity yes. disorder now, which is now what it's called. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a multiple personality disorder. We're not talking about dissociative identity disorder. We're talking about internal right. parts of our whole being, right? We, we're, yeah, yes and no. Okay, <laughs> awesome. The, tru the truth is, and, and I, you know, if anybody's struggling with this, I, I'd be more than happy. They can email me. They can, we can have a discussion about this. I can forward them information. But the truth of the matter is yeah. human beings, by our very nature, our personalities are multiple. You know, that goes back to what women writing, you know, inside me, there are multiple multitudes, you know, or uh, it, it, it's just always been. Now, here's the thing. We have, um, you know, these nuanced parts of our personalities, these aspects, you can call them. You can call them, we call them parts because that's what people, people tend to say. Um, part of me wants to get up in the morning and the other part says, I just soon lay here, right? Yeah. So we all have, you know, ins and outs, ups and downs, parts of us that disagree, you know? I yeah. feel really strongly about one thing. And so this is not rare or odd. It is a very, um, a very Western-minded, you know, that I, I think, therefore I am concept that is sort of incorrect. We are yeah. not just one flat being, right. you know? We can become blended, which is to say a part of us can take over in such a way that it feels like we are one flat being. <laughs> All, you know, I'll say to some people, they'll come in, they'll be angry, you know, so part of you feels angry. No, ma'am, I'm angry. Yeah, big part of you feels angry. Got it, right. Is there any part of you that's not angry? So what happens with dissociative disorder or the thing that people fear we're saying, right? I mean, again, we're going to go right back to the amazing quality of human beings as resilient survivors. And that is that dissociative disorder is simply when there is not enough what we call self-energy in the system. Doesn't mean it's not there. It's just been crowded out. 
by big wounds, traumas, and parts, right? Yeah. So that one part becomes at one time or another so active to protect the system that it is unaware that there is no awareness of the other parts in the system oh. where you and I can say, a part of me feels this and a part of me, you know, it gets fully blocked. Got it. So it isn't to say that it isn't similar. It is a, it is exactly that concept. It's just that that is the extreme Got it. of a survival technique. Right. That is the extreme, you know, in the, in the paradigm of, of internal family systems, a dissociative personality is just extreme for lots of good reasons, right? We know that people who are dissociative are facing tremendous trauma or exactly. have, right? Right. And, and so their brilliant neurosystem takes them right out of all that awareness as you can't handle this and puts them into one spot in their personality. Great. I love that you made that distinction so that they're not separate. They are the same. So the way that you're describing yes. our human thought process and our me- emotional, mental selves naturally at its core, at its baseline, has parts. It only becomes, yes. I'm doing air quotes, dysfunctional, creating what we would clinically describe dissociative identity identity disorder only when those parts become um, strong because of the the level of trauma that they've experienced yes they, they take on extreme extreme roles got you it would call that that's taking on an extreme role yeah and and within internal family systems there are uh, the three um, main or the two main categories of parts are protective parts and exiled parts and the exiled parts are usually young not always but usually younger than you are but often way back to childhood they're often um, holding what I would call very bio-basic fears. Mm-hmm. I am not good enough. I will not be loved. I am not worthy, so on. Yeah. Um, but they have very specific, often, trauma in mind. They are held in the body. And then throughout our lives, because we are wise and wonderful human beings with this amazing capacity to get through things, other parts of us step up and start going, oh, I need to do this to protect from that pain ever, ever, ever happening again. And the farther we get from that, the more protection we need, right? The more they become layered. So then it might be, I do this so I don't have to feel that pain. And then I protect that part and I protect it. So protectors can get layered, right? Yeah. Um, we need all of these parts. They're not, in, they're valuable. That's how we function. Um, but we, we also need what we call self-energy, which is that capacity to be all of these wonderful C words, caring, curious, courageous, clear, creative, calm, connected. And there's one more that will never, I never get all eight of them at one time. It's just beyond my- Is it compassion? Yes. All to say this central core can be with all of our parts, helping them to unburden, helping them to work in the system the way they're supposed to. Protective parts are often managers. We need them. Yeah. Right. 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 I yeah. can't I can't just, you know, I need I need my management. I need my, you know, we have wonderful parts. They're all good. Some of them are wonderful at being relational and working in conditions like we have now in the world at, at um we have people who have very serving parts that are really necessary. These people that have to go to work in this environment right now, thank goodness, they have manager parts, I'm sure. I'm sure they have a lot of self-energy too, you know, to be with those parts, but they're not bad. Even the exiles are not bad. There's nothing, there's no evil characters here. Okay. Yeah. Um, But they need us. They need us to be with them, to hear them. So, um, and that helps regulate our system. And I, I believe that these parts are connected to the polyvagal system, right? To whether we are in a highly agitated state, right? That might be, that might bring out all kinds of protection, right? right? Light or flight, that's protective, is it not? Freeze, protective. Um, Depressed parts or down parts or, or, you know, parts that turtle in, tunnel in you know, living in the dorsal vagal system 
and and really you know lots of self-energy but also parts probably that are involved in the ventral vagal system which is our space of social engagement and connection to one another and a space by the way that is vital right now that we find ways to on the tiniest level connect to it to give our nervous system a break to tone the ventral vagal nervous system which is tonable just like a muscle is tonable mm-hmm. but a nerve and to provide that sense of humanity and connection that is available to us internally not just externally that makes sense absolutely i i love that you were able to describe that in such a concise way <laughs> because i know it's like it's one of those ideas that is simple and yet complicated but also very simple and um and I went back I did, I said that purposefully <laughs> yes I like Be- because okay. it's yeah. it's like once you get your mind wrapped around it you have this this aha moment right and I'm sure you see that often yes. with your clients and with people that you work with where once they start to understand that they have these parts within themselves that they can then engage with reinforces the empowerment reinforces the sense of agency and then you have someone who's like fully invested in wanting to and and believing that they are capable of managing the stress and then healing from the stress so for today um i mean i'm not putting healing on the side burner at all because i think it's simultaneous but (laughs) especially now but but Um, We are all in a a very particularly stuck place. And I'm curious as to what part you would describe it as. If it was like a collective part, what, where are we as a society, as a, as a human race and how can we manage it now in the present state? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I would say that for, I don't know how long now we have been in a sympathetically charged system yeah even prior to all of this oh yes uh, incredibly agree yeah the the tweets and the you know social media and the news and the bad news and the polarization um in the community and um in our country and in the world is um palpable and so people have been living you know within and in and uh, around that for you know some time now and so I still, I believe that, of course, that is heightened right now. I also think that we may be seeing, and if you, if you do as a, an individual see this or see it in your family, some collapse of that, right, internally um, and externally. <laughs> like, it, it is not sustainable right. to live in, in the sympathetic nervous system. It's right. um, literally not sustainable. So... If we can't come to spaces of connectedness, of safe and social, of um, well-being, then our best alternative is to drop into a stressed dorsal position. Now, we can put ourselves into a non-stressed dorsal position, which would be look something like someone does in a um, svasana pose, you know, in corpse pose in yoga, where they are just still and resting and yet not collapsed in a out of stress but out of choice right um and so i i I guess you know if you can do that if people can do that a little bit they're really stressed out and they can't get into a glimmer of um well-being that it's okay to allow yourself an intentional rest right um probably better to do that than to collapse you know because that can be harder right. to get up and out of. Right. So, so yeah, I, I think being being mindful of just even a little check-in every day, you know, and this can be so brief, like, do I feel like I'm in some sort of a fight or flight or, or an activated freeze? Activated freeze looks like um, I need to do something, but I don't know what to do. I can't move, right? Versus I'm frozen because I'm so down and I can no, no longer look, right? right? People get confused about those two. So if they notice, you know, how is my heart beating? Is my heart just pounding? You know, and I didn't just run up the stairs. Then let me just check. 
and let me use my ventral vagal system if if possible if i have if i can access that to activate that beautiful ventral what's called the ventral vagal break which is happens every time we exhale and it slows our heart rate right so we don't have a consistent wham 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 heart right right yeah, so elongate the exhale. Right. You don't have to do any huge gulps of air. That can be actually activating. Just elongate the exhale or imagine, you know, picture your heart with a with a car brake, you know, like I'm going to just, you know, and watch the car slow yeah. and imagine that your heart is doing so as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that that is, probably where people are living now if people are dropping into more of a depressive hopeless state feeling very alone and isolated not only exterior but interior wise no one cares they're doomed i am doomed and so on right that is a time first of all to find any any love you can any glimmers of love that you can for yourself right because it's not an easy place to be it's hard yeah. Yeah. I and find so, a lot of people have a much harder time moving from that spot than the anxious spot. The anxious spot oh, yeah. tends to be, I should say the anxious part tends to be mm-hmm. um, something that we can, uh, you know, affect more easily, whereas the depressed part is much harder to um, move along or engage in. So I didn't mean to interrupt. So what, what's no, your piece I, of advice I, on that one? Yeah, no, well, I, I, you know, the truth is what you just said is not only is it true because it's, you know, we've worked with that and we know it's harder. It's true neurologically, right? <laughs> because if you're in that collapse state, you literally have to come up through your sympathetic nervous system to come to the ventral vagal system, which is the space of um, connection and, and well-being. So you're exactly right about that, not only on an emotional level, but a physical level, yeah. right? Because it's a layered system. So once you hear, once you know, um, and you've examined, this is where I go when I'm in these three spaces in my nervous system, right? Yeah. It's so helpful because then you have this remembering when you're there. And so for a minute, you'll be all in it. This is my experience, right? For a minute, you'll be all in it. And you'll be like, oh, no, dang, I just, I, I don't have to say dang on your show. I can curse and forget that. <laughs> you can. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Damn it. I just felt so, was feeling so good. And now I've dropped into hopeless, you know, and for a minute, it's like, oh, I'm depressed again. And then you go, no, 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 no. My body is doing what it, know, it knows to do. I'm going to be with it for a minute. I'm going to listen to what I'm hearing myself say, which is pretty dark and dismal. And then I'm going to remember I need tiny bits of movement. That doesn't mean nervousness. I used to think it meant the minute I get energy in the system, I get nervous again. And then I go, oh, no, shut that down again. See, you don't have to do that. You can go, oh, and movement can be something really tiny. Eye movement, breath, fingers imagining movement (laughs) imagining color imagining light seeing light right yeah so these are all again way more realistic for people who are in these states someone who is in in a depressed state who reads you know go for a walk go bake some Mm -hmm. cookies they're like well that's not happening and yeah. here you're bringing it back to a much smaller, more attainable goal that's more realistic. And if you feel a little angry, let's say you're down in that down low, 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 and you find the first thing you find is, I'm so furious. Good. Because <laughs> that's active. Yep. Right? Yep. And if you, uh, conversely, if you have a part that tells you, you, you know, you're reading, you don't have a right to be furious. People have it harder than you. Or, um, you know, be grateful for all, all times. Those are great messages, no no doubt. But if they are going to be used internally by your parts to shame you, right. if you find a little active curiosity, then I would say ask them to step back and allow that curiosity to come forward 
listen to it. You can move from it. You can play an angry song. You can pound your fists. You can do what you need. And guess what? You're halfway there. Right. Right? Yeah. Because then you can go, of course I'm angry. Of course I'm grieving. Of course this hurts. And from there, you'd be surprised if you look around inside in your patient, what else comes? Because you might be the very next person that's going, I see you, I got you, and I'm grateful for you, right? Yeah. You might be the very next person, but you, you can't get there by just jumping there. And that seems to be what people think we can do. And in fact, that's what our leadership is saying. <laughs> yeah. Just jump to what you freaking want. And, and then what that obviously does is it just makes us all feel like failures. And then that just reinforces the same terminology that we've gotten from those childhood messages that we're not good enough, we're never going to be good enough, that there's something wrong with us. And here this whole other perspective eliminates that completely. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's not. And if you find, you know, people, I, I had a wonderful woman, actually, I get to talk with her later today. And she had um, messaged me last night. She said, I'm really having a hard time because I keep hearing even, even Ingrid, you say, breathe. And when I breathe, I realize I, I, my chest is hurting and I'm scared. And then I'm panicking. And so now I'm panicking. And it's true. Well, you know, one advice does not fit all right now. But understanding what's going on inside you, I believe fits all as much as possible. And I don't mean just understanding with your brain, but allowing yourself to feel into it because your brain doesn't, you know, the the news is that um, 20% of the information through that vagus nerve, which is attached to the heart, to the diaphragm and up into your cranial nerves, that information is 20% from the brain down, but 80% from the body up. Right. Okay. So listen, listen to the body, listen to the body. That's where you're going to, and you might get little things like little images from your childhood or a little slideshow of what's bugging this part of you. Right. Or, you know, sometimes things that you might feel afraid of. Don't force it. If you have, if you start getting stuff when you're paying attention from your body and you get scared, you turn toward that part that is scared and you say, I'm right here for you. I'm right here for you or says if there's a part that says don't go yeah what would happen if I did what are you afraid of and recognizing trying to always see yourself in relation to these parts because otherwise it is easy to see them as huge and you are tiny right right but but you are huge (laughs) you are you are amazing you are you know I really hope people can begin to grasp the the amazement and, and we're in a survival time right this is about so right. it's going to connect our humanity as survivors it's going to connect to any parts of you that have had to survive anything ever right so if people are starting to go oh man i'm getting food insecure and i'm either overeating or i don't dare eat or i'm hoarding take a look because it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you right now it means your parts are going this is where I go in time of stress absolutely or agoraphobic I'm afraid I'll never leave my house again yeah you probably had parts that have been there before let them know they're remembering a body experience this is different update them with time and place notice what you are keeping in, in why you're doing things how you're keeping safe and offer them gratitude for trying to step up and let them know you care right I mean that's really really powerful because um you just hit on something that I myself have have been experiencing I guess we could probably say that there are different parts too of desire and almost like a thirst like I'm like I'm so thirsty to get back to people to my friends to my family to my clients who I can share in the same energy in the room obviously because you know it's not quite the same um, with telehealth Mm -hmm. and then there's another part of me that enjoys and thrives in the sense of calm and safety and peace being at home that I Mm -hmm. I in my mind of like 
not just for myself but for others of like well this we're gonna have a huge uprise in people struggling with agoraphobia and you mentioning like okay where else in my life has that existed and that happened and I was like oh yeah uh uh, okay I got it (laughs) like it instantly clicked and I was like okay that's something I can process so it, it it's great that you are able to share this in a way that really does bring us back down to basic human biology, neurology, and survival mode. Because a lot of what my experience has been in practice and in my personal life, which has brought me to this point um, with the podcast, has been recognizing that so much of what we're experiencing is really just humans trying to survive. These are experiences that we all have. We all have trials and tribulations and stressors and traumas and losses. Um, We all probably have at at some level or another um, difficulty with moderation of drugs, sex, alcohol, you know, all of the things that we would deem addictive. And it's only ever become a, quote, problem when it becomes chronic or when it becomes so invasive that it that it now prevents us from functioning a healthy life right but if we bring it back down to this is our this is our natural mechanism as a human we're just not listening correctly we've been giving given these messages about the way that we think and the way that we should think and the way that we should act Mm -hmm. And it's only been, you know, within the last maybe decade or two, certainly in in America, where the focus has returned back to a place of focusing on your your body and your physical sense and, and recognizing that our emotions and our feelings are much more tied into a physiological response than, you know, in the head. Um, and I do, I, I practice that with my clients all of the time. They come in and, you know, where are you feeling that in your body? And they always tell me in my head. And I'm like, okay. Oh, <laughs> so that's where I know where we're starting. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to start from the very beginning because we have all of these physiological sensations that we've right. completely disconnected from. And the right. narrative has been think right even if we go back to you know basic psychotherapy we sat sat on the couch and just talked our our thoughts and feelings out and I'm so grateful that there are a variety of movements you know um in the health field I'm not even going to specify mental health but the entire health field in Mm -hmm. recognizing that we absolutely need to reconnect with our our bodies in a way where we are listening honoring and then working with it rather than against it yes Mm -hmm. i'm so grateful for that 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 we're finally there i'm you know i'm disappointed that we weren't there 20 years ago but yeah it's coming it's coming yeah there's still a long way to go yeah I, i you know we it's it's really been a tragedy um for i think our nation to See how separated we've become from from the you know animal that we are, and yeah, that is just devastating. I mean, to us as a species, you know, we've seen what we what we can do in the name of you know we are sort of these just brains with you know legs or something. Yeah, um, and and we need we need all of what's going on inside us. None of it is supposed to be numbed out or forgotten about or pushed aside or is less desirable, honestly. Right. Um, You know, it's all there for a reason. And if we don't make stories about it that are harmful to our being and to those parts of us, we learn so much. And and under that is amazing joy, truly. I mean, that, you know, when you come up and through the body sensation of pain or or grief sadness whatever those we what we might call bad feelings right that's where there is such unbelievable joy and it's not just that happy that we try to paint on top of all of all of this stuff 
and we find that through our entire nervous system, our, our whole soma and all of our cells, not just our the frontal lobe. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's the only organ that tells us I am all of you and we believe it, right? If our hand was like, you know, I'm all of you, you'd be like, well, no, you're not. You're, you're I have my hand talking to me like a puppet. That's not all of me. And it's very much like that with our mind. Not that our mind isn't important. It's very important. But we have more mind than we know. And we have more facility, more um, adaptability, and more ability with all of our body processes than we know. You know, people will notice very often in my office, you know, when they're able to connect to a deep sensation, whether right now it might be disappointment or grief or fear and this fear fear yeah. is a big one stress yeah. yeah and they can find that and they can shift their perspective from the outside world to the inside in such a way that they are with that part of them sending their breath directly to that sensation often not always and it's okay if this doesn't happen for the listener but often the first experience of doing that in a really self-led way creates such they'll say oh Oh, I'm like, well, how's it going? What's it say? Or what's it want you to know? Or what are you getting? And they'll say, well, I don't know, just completely calm down, you know, yeah. because parts of us just want our attention. Yeah. You know, they yeah. really need it. Yeah. It just, it just an acknowledgement, a validation. I see you. I hear you. Um, 100%. You are not alone. You are not alone. All of those things of which we, as therapists, share to our clients face to face verbally and yet here we yes. are saying but then you also need to apply that to not just yourself as like the the person you think that you are like our internal monologue mm-hmm. like that that person like I think of myself as cat right um yeah but those parts of you yeah that call out for help and yeah. I'm kind of struck with this this sense of awe that I sometimes come to when I get to another place in my journey where things seem so much more simple and so mm-hmm. less complicated and and not to say that things are easy I like to I like to highlight that you know it, it can be simple yeah. and uncomplicated it's still going to be challenging um yeah. like any new task or activity or something that we're learning but when it's simplified and less complicated and when you're able to feel more empowered knowing that you actually have agency over recognizing these feelings and then doing something with them so that you're not chronically scared or chronically anxious or chronically depressed exactly blows my mind right like that's just there that's that's it Yep. All right. I guess I don't need to do another podcast. I think this is this is it. We'll just put this on repeat. (laughs) We'll just have everyone in the whole world listen to this every day for the rest of their lives. (laughs) There you go. Oh, I wish that was true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess you know the recognition that it is a practice. You know, just like anything, you know, we we don't recognize how much we practice doing things that are harmful. Not not because we're bad, but because that's the way we learn, right? Right. And not because your parents were bad, because that's the way they learned and so on, you know? Um, But it takes practice to reorient um, your mind and your body into this new way of being. And it is not impossible. And if you do it even a little, it helps. And if you do it imperfectly, it works. And if you do it sometimes and then gather up the strength to do it again, that's great. There isn't a bad way to do it except to say, oh, I'm terrible. I will always be terrible. And I quit. (laughs) Because really, you know, that was, I was going to say that about the ventral vagal system earlier, allowing yourself a second (laughs) maybe more, maybe 20 seconds of connecting to an image, a memory, a time that is just feels purely good to you, right? It can be something you love, 
uh, for me, it's often a, a, a feeling of anticipation of something I love. I almost like the anticipation better than the reality. <laughs> and, and you take that and you, you know, make it a pure good one too. Not like, oh, I should think this or I want to think that, but I have bad feelings about it. No, no, no. Make it a pure good one. I don't care if it's something you love to eat or someone you love to look at or a smell or a walk you had back when or whatever. Um, a favorite memory and then flesh it out in terms of all every sense you can mm. so that you know it in your body allow your body to hold it just as much as your hand is trying to hold on to a cup of water right and hold that and bring it in and allow your body to do that for as much as you can right give it a name so if, it, if you can have a name so that you can go to it quickly then find the sensation in your body, the smells, the sights, the touch, the sensory experience. Yeah. And that tones your ventral vagal system. That tones that nerve of connection, safety, social. So that when you need it, it is it is stronger and it's more available to you. Okay? Yeah. And you can do that for seconds a day, and that's good. That's good. When, as, a, as a kid, I thought that was stupid. <laughs> that would be like, right? That would be like, oh, faking it when I really feel terrible. Right. And I don't deserve to feel that way. And if I feel that way, it's dangerous because I'm going to get all disappointed and I'm not going to have that feeling. And I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, the narrative went on and on. So I continued more depressed. Right. But the truth is, accept all those voices yeah i get that that makes sense of course you wouldn't want to feel disappointed sure of course yeah. not and still allow yourself a, a you know a minute of it if you can and because we, and we can and we can and we absolutely can um everybody can you know yeah. if you are a human <laughs> yeah. yeah you can do it yeah and you deserve it Right? I, you know, I've really? said that a lot. I've said that a lot. We've suffered enough and we've beaten ourselves up enough that I think, mm. I think we just need to, to, to stop doing that and let that shit go and, and really permit ourselves to feel intact and safe and okay and good. Yeah. Um, and, and what comes from that, right? Like if we internally, can sit with ourselves and navigate our emotions as they come knowing that it's you know a wave just like we've heard other people use as an analogy um mm -hmm. it allows us to not only have a really great healthy connection with ourselves which in of itself is tremendously healing um but then it will have a huge effect on our relationships with others and right. And that will have a huge effect on our relationship as a community and as a society right. and as humanity. Like the ripple effect can happen and it doesn't yeah. need to start from out there. It, it needs to start from here within ourselves. It really can start out there. And, and that's why it's important to, to examine what, what are you feeling, what's coming up for you, and name it as a part of you and give it a name. Um, again, this goes back to Tony Herbine Blank's work of, you know, if you can name um, a part of me is furious versus I'm mad at you. You suck. Right. Well, a part of me is furious because I feel, I don't know, hurt when you say that or I feel scared when you say that. Right. right. Anybody can name that and it can be heard and accepted and it's truer and it's fairer. And so otherwise parts talk that are not relational parts. <laughs> they don't know a darn thing about being in a relationship. They're just there to protect you. Right. So a part will say, you know, you suck. I hate you. Or, you know, what's wrong with you, you know, doing that again to me? And that's a part talking directly to someone. It doesn't have anything to do with that person. Right. It has to do with protecting parts inside of you. Right. So if you can notice it as such, it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It means it needs you. Yeah. And you can notice it, right? Do what Tony calls that U-turn, go in and go, oh, when you just, you know, went out and broke the quarantine to do this and scared me, a part of me feels furious. Mm -hmm. Help me. I, I, 
I'm not sure what to do about that, you know? Right. So you can name it in a way that is hearable, right? That begins inside and then it spreads out. Right. That can be tremendously powerful in slowing down the the process between two people. And this could be in any relationship, right? But when we talk about That's right. relationships, it's, it's often, really. you know, the the most significant of like our partner or a significant other. Yeah. Um, and yeah. being able to slow down our reactions, which again, we've heard, and go internally mm-hmm. and process it a little bit more before we then communicate to the other person. And if both parties are doing that, whatever communication you have after slowing down and processing it internally is going to be, dare I say, a conversation. <laughs> like yeah. you guys will talk to each other and that will be it. You will share, yeah. you will, and that, you know, like no argument, no fighting. It will right. be based on, gee, I, I'm feeling, you know, part of me wants to agree with you. Another part of me is holy not understanding where you're coming from and not so I guess you know that's the kind that's that's the kind of conflict that happens right right very you know not it's not politically correct it's honest and 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 you know the word that I kept that keeps coming to me around that is is it's intimate it is so deep because while you're communicating you're also revealing this is who I am. This is what is happening inside me. And you're owning. So if someone says, you know, it hurt me when I heard you say, oh, why were you crying again? Or something like that. And the other person can go in and go, you know, I do feel a part of me gets very nervous when I see you crying. I can recognize that probably part of me did almost want to shut that down because it made me so frightened to see your tears. Yeah. I mean, that's intimate. That is true intimacy. Yes. And that only builds stronger connections. Right. And healthier connections. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those are courageous conversations, Tony would call those. Yeah. yeah, Courageous conversation. Yes. Because it does take Mm -hmm. a lot of courage to be that level of vulnerability. Yeah. With your partner. Even, I mean, even with your partner of somebody who you should be able to be vulnerable with, that level is... That's the hardest. Is, is also incredibly challenging. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I was just going to yeah. say, too, that it must be really amazing for you to witness, too. Um, my favorite. Yeah. From my perspective, relationships in general have a very... Um, surface and then bleak description with them right like the way that we describe relationships the way that we promote relationships in social media and in our society in general um, is Mm -hmm. is very much on the surface and is is not geared towards true intimacy like what you were just describing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a massive disservice because we are setting couples up for failure. We really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's that's part, if not a significant reason why we have such a high mm-hmm. divorce rate. Um, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I realize, feel myself going into a whole into another category. Another show coming up. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll table that for another time. With the world crisis right now, everyone is most certainly feeling a lot of emotions right now. It uh, from the from the people that I've been talking to, it's a lot of vacillating emotions, a lot of okay. you know dual yeah. emotions, where mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm okay and I'm happy in one moment, and the next moment it's complete doom and gloom, mm-hmm. and this is the end of the world. Is it as simple as going and permitting yourself to look inward and recognize where these parts are coming from, acknowledging them, validating them, using breath work? Like, is there a way that you could summarize what someone could do to manage these emotions as we're all experiencing them? I would say, you know, the first thing to do is whatever you're feeling, uh, you know, invite yourself to bring in more patience right now for whatever you're feeling and for everyone and whatever they're feeling, right? Just even for a moment, an extra breath, an extra 30 seconds. And then check in with your body. And that might mean 
you know, doing a little scan, head down inside. Try to try to see what's happening inside. Focus toward your organs, toward your heart, toward your you know your grounding spaces, your seat and your feet, um, your back, your shoulders. Look for tension. Look for signals that your body, because our body, that interoception, our body picks up signals of danger. Right. Allow yourself that. Both it's both humility and um reason <laughs> i i almost use the word excuse but it's not excuse but it, allow yourself that benefit of knowing this could very well be something your body is just doing because you are an animal you are a human animal okay and so first go there and recognize that's just something for me to feel and I have some understanding now of what's going on. If it feels really active, it's my sympathetic nervous system. If I feel like I'm dumping out of stress into a lower space, that's my dorsal vagal. And if I can find my way back up through activity, I can reconnect, okay? So that's one. Then notice your parts and notice, you know, can you breathe toward anything that does feel like it needs you or it scares you or it wants you or it's angry? write from it. I encourage people to write or draw often because it helps them to get it uh, a different perspective to yeah. use their visuals and so on. Yeah. Um, move your body as it needs to move. If your body needs to move, move it. If your body is not moving and you are still desperately struggling and suffering inside, see if you can play with a, a figure of your body that feels a little bit better to you. If you're all huddled over, and you feel sad and miserable, just play with a tiny shift, whether anything, right? Yeah. Um, use your hands to comfort your body. If that feels safe to you, yeah. and in any way that feels safe to you, do that, Yeah. right? Keep them out of your eyes and your nose, thanks. Yeah, don't um, touch your face. <laughs> again, go to body, then notice, all right, is it a body thing? Okay, it's a body thing. I'll have to make a story about it, and I can call myself. Is it a is it a part of my personality? It's telling me a story, so it is more of a mind thing. I can still activate. What does that make me feel like in my body, and and work that through? Okay, and again, use your resources. Reach out to you know therapists. Reach out to people that you love. Imagine them in your mind if you can't reach out. Right. And um, lots of patience, lots of patience. And that includes around the virus, around financial difficulties, um, missing people, whatever you're experiencing, just know you are not alone and we are people of survival and that is why we have the feelings we do. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm speechless. <laughs> I hope it helps. I do. I, I, it, and, it... And, if, and I have to do it lots of times during the day right now yeah um and I appreciate you sharing that too so that people can understand even experts because you are still human right that's right need to practice the things that we preach because it is not something you attain to and reach to right it is something that we incorporate into our process and incorporate into our daily existence all of the time every day exactly that's right um and if people were to permit themselves that that's yeah how we all function a lot of those those negative self-talk and and feelings of shame when we stumble or when we have a hard time with it would go away so thank you and and i will do the same i will try to incorporate this more into when I do meditate, because like you, I need it more now than I have in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really, I'm so, 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 so grateful that you were able to set some time aside today. I'm going to so fun. get this out onto um, the platform as quickly as I can because I just want as many people out there to listen and, and hopefully find a lot of hope and peace and comfort and in this conversation sounds good to me sounds good to me it's been a comfort for me i've really loved talking with you feels so so good Kat. likewise ingrid yeah i'm internally and forever grateful for for you and for our friendship and and mm, what we've too. got so believe in you every moment you know that's true 
so, so um, honored to have been a little part of, that, of who you are. So thank you. Sending you great love and love to that pup back there. Hey guys, one last piece here. So as we discovered during our conversation with Ingrid, there's a lot of information that we can learn about the vagus nerve and how it can help us. There are six specific ways that you can naturally stimulate the vagus nerve. One of which is slow, rhythmic breathing. Another one is humming, speaking, washing your face with cold water, meditation, and balancing the healthy presence of bacteria in the gut. If you'd like to read more about the vagus nerve, I suggest you do a Google search. But be careful, not everything on there is accurate, and not everything on there has been scientifically backed. You can start by visiting en.wikipedia.org backslash wiki backslash vagus underscore nerve. Thank you for listening. Join me on the next episode of Unfuck Your Head as we continue to build a community where understanding human health is at the forefront of real change. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Unfuck Your Head Podcast. You can also check out upcoming podcasts, my blog, and ways to contribute to our mission by visiting our website at unfuckyourhead.org. Fuck your head